Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together, we can make a difference.両手を天に向かって突き出し、膝を落として体を垂直に沈めます。この時大きな声でポンと声を発するのがポイントです。声で相手をひるませた瞬間、ポン。体を沈めてすり抜けます。それではもう一度見てみましょう。Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama, episode 178, One Cut of the Dead. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. As always, a huge hi and welcome to Verbal Diorama. Whether you are a regular returning listener of this podcast, whether you are a brand new listener of this podcast, thank you for being here, thank you for choosing this podcast and basically no matter how you found this podcast, I'm so grateful to have you here for the history and legacy of One Cut of the Dead, which is one of the most brilliant and innovative horror comedies that I think has pretty much ever come out. It was a real surprise to me when I first saw this movie. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, you have seen the movie because, as I'm going to come to, this is a movie that you really don't want to be spoiled on. But before we go into One Cut of the Dead, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone listening to the most recent previous episodes of this podcast. I did an episode on Adam's Family Values, which I love those Adam's Family movies so much. I'm so fond of them. My heart is with that Adam's Family, the everything they stand for. I think it's a really important series of movies. 
the more recent ones, not so much. Uh, but those original two movies I adore. And the original Adams Family episode that I did last year, still one of the biggest episodes I've ever done. And Adams Family Values was similarly very well received. So I was absolutely delighted with the reception to Adams Family Values. And then the last episode I did was a patron pick episode. And patron Pete, there's lots of Ps in this episode. He chose Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was a movie that I'd never seen before. I saw it for the first time for this podcast and I was blown away by how magical and beautiful and brilliant that movie is. It's a movie that I'm definitely going to be watching again and again. So huge thank you to Pete for picking that movie. And as always, to everyone who listened to those episodes, thank you so much for the people who commented on those episodes and who gave a little rate and review based on those episodes. That was so kind of you. Thank you very much. I'm hoping that this episode is going to be a similarly well-received because One of the Dead is not really a movie that many people have actually heard of unless you're in the film Twitter vicinity and you probably would have heard of it that way like I did. But it wasn't a movie that really got a general release here in the UK. As I'm going to come to, it only got a very limited release in the US as well. But it turned out to be a huge hit in Japan and basically just became a massive hit through word of mouth, which in the age of the internet, I think we can blame the internet for a lot of terrible things that happen today. But for a movie like this to garner the word of mouth that it did through the internet and to be as popular as it was, is just such a testament to low budget filmmaking, to the power of social media. And really, this is a sort of movie that inspires generations of new filmmakers. And podcasters as well, for that matter. So I'm so excited to be getting into Wonkut of the Dead. And we're going to start, as always, with the trailer for Wonkut of the Dead. Obviously, this trailer is in Japanese. So if you don't speak Japanese, you're probably not going to understand. But have a listen to it anyway. <laughs> ある実験人体実験。あの、ギタか。さて、次。カメラ止めない。あの、あったの本当だったなんて。最高かよ。血はもう巻き終わった。死の呪文を唱えるとそれは蘇る。それ Things go badly for a hack director and his film crew shooting a low-budget zombie movie in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. Now, I'm leaving this summary vague for a reason. Because, as I said, if you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead, you need to stop this episode right now. Right now. 
and you need to go and find One Cut of the Dead. You need to see One Cut of the Dead because this is a movie you really don't want to go into having had it spoiled because it's such an experience to watch and consume and it's an experience you can watch and consume on repeat. So if you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead, please go and watch the movie and then come back to this episode. If you have seen One Cut of the Dead, carry on. Feel free. Continue. Don't stop this episode. Don't stop shooting. Honestly, to the people who haven't seen One Cut of the Dead, I really don't want to be the person who spoils this for you. So please go watch it. I believe it is still available on Shudder. If you have a subscription to Shudder, it is also available on Blu-ray, which is how I've got the movie. But please, honestly, I can't stress this enough. I don't want to spoil this. If you haven't seen it, go and see it and then come back. Let's go through the cast of this movie. We have Takeyuki Hamatsu as Takeyuki Higurashi. Yuzuki Akiyama as Eika Matsumoto, aka Shanatsu. Kazuaki Nagaya as Kazuaki Kabaya, aka Ko. Harumi Shuhama as Harumi Higurashi, aka Now. Manabu Hosoi as Manabu Hasada. Hiroshi Ichihara as Hiroshi Kasahara. Shintaro Yamazaki as Shinsuke Yamagoi. Shinichiro Asawa as Shinichiro Furusawa. Dongori as Yoshiko Sasahara. Sakina Asamori as Saki Matsura. Miki Yoshida as Miki Yoshino. Ayana Goda as Ayana Kurihara. And Mao as Mao Higurashi. One Cut of the Dead was written and directed by Shinichiro Ueda with an additional writing credit to Ryuichi Wada, which I'm going to come back to shortly. Now, Japan has a long history with horror fiction, which can be traced back to the ghost stories and folk tales of the Edo and Meiji periods. Traditional Japanese theatre, like Kabuki and No, often depict horror stories of vengeful spirits and demons. After the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, Japanese horror cinema consisted of kaiju, giant monsters created by radiation, the most famous of all, obviously being Godzilla. Now, Godzilla isn't really seen as horror cinema these days, but Japanese horror, or J-horror as it's most well known, tends to focus primarily on psychological folk horror or supernatural horror and ghost stories. Ring is probably one of the most famous J-horror movies of recent decades and led to Hollywood attempting remakes of other popular J-horror films like Dew on the Grudge and Dark Water. Now, I'll be honest, as I always am on this podcast, my knowledge of J-horror, as in my knowledge of horror generally, is quite limited. I have seen the Hollywood remake of Ring and I actually quite enjoy that movie. I actually have, and this may surprise you, the original novel by Koji Suzuka, as well as its sequels, Spiral and Loop. That's probably the limit of what I will watch horror-wise, but it's worth stressing how influential Ring was and how it, and the Blair Witch Project as well, changed horror cinema from predominantly slasher-based to more psychological horror and leaving much to the audience's imagination. But what Western audiences know about Kaiju and Ring, they probably don't know too much about Japanese zombie movies, one of the earliest of which was Battle Girl, The Living Dead in Tokyo Bay, which came out in 1991, coincidentally the same year that Koji Suzuka released his novel Ring. But while Battle Girl wasn't a massive hit, a few years later, something else came along. 
something that would define not only Japanese zombie movies, but zombie movies in general. Capcom released Resident Evil and Sega released The House of the Dead, two landmark zombie horror video games, which sparked an international craze for zombie media, as well as numerous sequels and the film adaptations based on them. It was The House of the Dead that introduced fast-running zombies as opposed to the typical George Romero slow meandering corpses. Both games led to revival of zombie films in the late 90s and early 2000s with the likes of 28 Days Later, Dawn of the Dead and Shaun of the Dead taking inspiration. And Shaun of the Dead is especially prevalent in this conversation, what with it literally being a zombie comedy or a rom-zom-com as it was promoted as. And it's also of the dead as this is of the dead. Over in Asia, zombie cinema was also rising from the grave, with Chinese movies like Biozombie and the Japanese action film Versus taking inspiration from Resident Evil and House of the Dead and focusing more on action than the slow, lingering dread of most zombie movies. Resident Evil alone sold 24 million copies. This was 2006, across its entire series of games. And... Just a quick note, I have more time for Paul W.S. Anderson's first Resident Evil movie than most. It is probably going to come to this podcast eventually because I think it's a lot of fun. But that series of films has grossed more than $1 billion worldwide. It's still the highest grossing film series based on a video game. So as much as maybe some people aren't willing to admit that they like the Resident Evil movies, people are certainly going to see those Resident Evil movies. Zombies and zombie movies continue to be prevalent, especially zombie comedies. Zombieland, obviously, in its sequel, movies like Warm Bodies, Corpse Bride, which I've covered on this podcast, a really high download one, actually. People really love Corpse Bride. And obviously, The Walking Dead was a huge show on TV, started in 2010, still going today, 12 years later. And then, of course, there's the rise of low-budget horror. Horror movies made for a tiny budget but go on to make hundreds, even thousand times their budgets. Movies like Halloween, which was made for $325,000, it grossed $70 million. Friday the 13th was made for $550,000 and grossed $59.8 million. A Nightmare on Elm Street, a reasonably higher budget comparatively, at $700,000 grossing $51 million. And Saw, made for $1.2 million, but making $103 million. The Blair Witch Project is probably the most high-profile, low-budget horror movie. It cost $35,000 and grossed $250 million. And then we get to More Cut of the Dead, a remarkable success story due to its incredibly low budget, the fact it became a sleeper hit in Japan and then across the world. The story of Walker of the Dead starts in 2011, when a stage play called Ghost in the Box was put on by theatre director Ryoichi Wada. Seeing that stage play was Sinichiro Ueda. The stage play finished its run in 2014, and while Ueda would eventually admit to One Cut of the Dead being partially inspired by one of stage plays, the final credit given to him would be somewhat contentious, and I'm going to come back to that. Ueda had made several short films, and on paper, the micro-budget, largely crowd-funded zombie comedy One Cut of the Dead was probably destined to join the ranks of hundreds of other independent films with great expectations and little recognition that are distributed all over the world. It basically had a destiny of never being seen. He, of course, wrote the script to Walker to the Dead, and with that, he went out to raise the money necessary to have his movie produced. 
But finding funding is challenging in the film industry, especially when you have so many people competing to get their films made too, that their idea is just as worthy, and you really do have to push to get your movie made, especially if you don't have any credits to your name at that time. And so what Ueda did is he used crowdfunding to support the budget for his project. He estimated that he could complete it for 3 million yen, or around $25,000, and realised he needed to be as frugal with this money as possible. So he made a decision to work with the Enbu Seminar Drama School in Tokyo. For over 20 years, the Enbu Seminar has been a place for actors, producers and directors to come together and hone their craft. They are essentially a film study school, but what they also did was they produced the movie. They also arranged acting workshops. These workshops lasted two months and people could audition for roles in this movie, many of which the actors themselves had to pay for. And it's not often you hear of actors paying to be in movies, but the students at Enbu Seminar viewed it as a school project. It's worth adding as well that neither the actors nor the director had any back-end participation, so they didn't actually see any money off of the success of One Cut of the Dead, but they obviously did see huge boosts to their career. Once the cast was in place, Ueda began filming at an abandoned water filtration facility in Japan's Ibaraki Prefecture, in order to maintain the low budget and stay true to the zombie movie concept, whereby you always get attacked by zombies in a really remote place. It's like they're drawn to it. Who knows why? And this location's grimy, decaying aesthetic of overgrown vegetation and rusted out machinery was ideal since it provided a variety of interior and exterior settings for essentially bringing the undead to life. Lead actress Yuzuki Akiyama was hired based on her previous experience of working with Ueda on his 2011 short film Dreaming Novelist. She was too busy to audition and so he brought her on as a quote-unquote special guest star as she described the shoot as enjoyable but exhausting. She would say about it, quote, The location felt like a training camp. There were six people sleeping in each room at a nearby inn. At the site, we could only shower using a watering can. The shoot began at six and we had to be fully focused from the outset as there was limited time to get that one uninterrupted shot right. The pressure was on and issues such as the weather and fake blood splattering on camera lenses made things more difficult. Despite this, everyone remained positive, especially Ueda, who was a bundle of energy throughout. Even when it was raining, he kept reassuring us that the sun would come out soon, unquote. And this is a movie that was filmed over only eight days. And from the outset, the pressure was on to get the initial 37-minute long take done. While not the longest one take, it appears to be totally improvised and pretending to be pretending is not an easy skill set to have. Because people look awkward, weird things start to happen. Cameras are dropped on the ground and characters do strange things in the background. It's worth noting that the actual wiping of blood off the camera was not part of the initial plan. That was actually done for real. It's not until we see the making of section that the amateurish first section becomes genuinely genius. And then when the end credits roll, there's actual behind-the-scenes footage of the professional film crew shooting the movie, filming the behind-the-scenes crew and the in-movie crew. It's like inception, layer upon layer of the reality of filmmaking going on. And it's a really fascinating look into how this movie was actually made. The long take specifically took six takes over two days to get right, which 
is miraculous in itself. When you consider the entire shoot, only took eight days. The movie would then spend four months in post-production. And for me, this really encapsulates the magic of cinema. Everything we see on camera is supported by the behind-the-scenes drama and the technical achievement. It's almost like this is a glimpse into filmmaking and actually perfectly summarises why this podcast exists in the first place. One Cut of the Dead is a horror, a comedy, and not only that, a sincere love letter to low-budget independent filming. It replaces the typical three-act structure with three perspectives on the film. The movie itself, the production aspect, and then the behind-the-scenes shoot. And you would think that something like this wouldn't work in a traditional movie. And yet it really does work. And it's really fascinating to see how this all comes about. Another thing that I know is always fascinating to see, or fascinating to hear actually, I should say, is a part of the podcast that I like to do called The Obligatory Keanu Reference, which is where I try and link the movie that I'm featuring with Keanu Reeves. No real reason for this other than Keanu is the best of men and every man should strive to be more like Keanu every day. And I look to reiterate that on this very podcast. And so, obviously, he's not really been in any zombie movies, but he has played a half-Japanese character in the movie 47 Ronin. This is based on a famous Japanese folktale, and 47 Ronin is nothing to do with this movie whatsoever except 47 Ronin was also set in Japan, so there is a kind of link there. Yeah, it's pretty tenuous, but, you know, it's never easy to do these obligatory Keanu references, and you really just have to let me find those tiny threads and let me pull at those tiny threads. So let's talk about the really interesting stuff about One Cut of the Dead. Let's talk about some more really interesting stuff about One Cut of the Dead. So when it premiered in April 2018 at the Udin Far East Film Festival, This is Europe's largest showcase for Asian popular cinema. It received a standing ovation and finished a close second in the audience award vote. It was released wide in an 84-seat Tokyo Arthouse Theatre with an initial theatrical run of six days. This was on the 23rd of June 2018. In July 2018, Asmic Ace co-distributed the film and gave it a wider release due to the positive word of mouth. The number of screens was then upped to 200 in Japan. In an interview he gave in August 2018, Ryuichi Wada said that Walker to the Dead was an adaptation of Ghost at the Box and that he had been in contact with his lawyers. Wada had expressed his enjoyment of the movie on social media a month prior. Now, the director, Sinichiro Ueda, admitted that the play Ghost in the Box had served as inspiration for his movie, but refuted claims that he listed entire scenes from it. After some negotiation, Ueda and Wada agreed to include Wada's name and a reference to Ghost in the Box in the credits of One Cut of the Dead, and so this is why technically the writing credit is shared between the pair. And I mentioned earlier, this movie is, I believe, still available on Shudder, And Shudder was quite instrumental in the release of One Cut of the Dead because they not only debuted One Cut of the Dead on their own streaming service, but they also released the film theatrically in the US for the first time as a Shudder exclusive. It was shown in New York and Los Angeles on the 13th of September 2019 and as a special one-night-only event in selected cinemas across the US on the 17th of September 2019. This obviously helped get the word out about One Cut of the Dead I really drum up support for the movie. 
And this was a movie that was made on an extremely small budget, as I've already mentioned, $25,000. And it would go on to gross over $31 million worldwide, over a thousand times its budget, making box office history. It's also the rare 100% critically of Rotten Tomatoes 2, meaning that every single critic that exists that has reviewed this movie gives this movie a 6 out of 10 or higher. And this is miraculous too when you realise how scathing some critics could have possibly been about the low-budgetness of this movie, but I think people just see how clever this movie actually is. Walkers of the Dead may not have been up for any major Hollywood awards, but it did win several Asian film awards, including a special award at the Hochi Film Awards, the Yujiro Isahara Award at the Nikan Sports Film Awards, Best Film at the Blue Ribbon Awards, Best Director at the Mainichi Film Awards, and Best Film Editing at the Japan Academy Prize. And you might not think that this is a movie that has any sequels, but it does. Not only does it have a spin-off, it also has a sequel, it also has a French-language remake, and an English-language remake coming too. So the spin-off, titled One Cut of the Dead Hollywood Edition, was released in 2019, directed by Yuya Nakazumi, this time centering on Mao Higarashi making her own movie, set six months after the events of the original, starring Chinatsu, who's lost her voice after the incident, now working as a waitress in Hollywood and about to start a new life, However, real zombies arrive, oh no, and terrorise the crew in Hollywood. Production on Michelle Hazanovicius's French-language remake Final Cut, starring Romain Duris and Berenice Bejeau, got underway in April 2021. It was screened as the festival's opening film at April 2022 in Cannes, the same day it opened in French cinemas. It was supposed to premiere at Sundance, but it was cancelled after a surge in COVID cases. And the movie was originally titled Z, or Z, if you're American. But as the letter Z had become a militaristic symbol in support of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it was agreed the film would be referred to exclusively by the international title Final Cut during the festival. And on the 25th of April 2022, it was announced that the French title was changed to Coupé. A sequel to One Cut of the Dead called One Cut of the Dead Mission Remote was set up with the same team of actors and production staff but instead creating a short film in response to the restrictions around the COVID-19 pandemic. Ueda wrote the script about a serial tickler. No, I'm not making that up. He wrote that in one night and it was planned and recorded using video conferencing software and also by using selfie footage. It took one month to put together and release. It's still available for free on YouTube. Go and check it out. It's a lot of fun. And genuinely, a serial tickler is a great idea. I don't think I would like that, though, because I really don't like being tickled. And an English language remake is in the pipeline after Japan-based American producer Patrick Cunningham acquired the rights from Embu Seminar, Sinichiro Ueda, and Ryoichi Wada. And this was after he mediated in the alleged plagiarism case between Ueda and Wada and basically ensured that everyone kissed and made up and everyone was friends again. A writer and director is yet to be announced for this English language remake. Let's move on to what people think of this movie. Now, I like to ask on social media, I like to ask on Patreon, and I also like to ask on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And I want to start with the patrons of this podcast. And we're going to start with Pete. And Pete says, 
This movie captures the fun and amazing production side of movies. On the surface, it's so simple, but then the next layer is revealed, then another layer. So, so fun to just watch and think about how it was done. Great stuff and a super fun story. As soon as I finished watching it, I was tempted to start it over again immediately. And we have a comment from Brendan as well, who says, One of my favourite films to watch people see for the first time, and a near and dear narrative to my community theatre nerd heart. One Pit of the Dead starts as a no-budget zombie movie, then gradually morphs into a celebration of scrappy independent filmmaking. Fans of movies like Noises Off will be equally comfortable as hard-bitten horror fans once this movie reveals its hand, but it's worth a look even if the clever titular surprise has already been spoiled for you. And perennial commenter Andy returns, and he says, This is a movie that is about a, um, dead person who cuts something. Guess I need to get my ish together and watch this movie. Yes, you do, Andy. Please don't listen to this episode until you've seen the movie. Please go and watch the movie because I think you'll really enjoy it. The next patron comment comes from Scott, who says, I took a punt on this based on word of mouth and spent the first 40 or so minutes wondering what the absolute hell I was watching. Then, without giving a thing away, the film shifted gear and by the end, I was utterly enamoured by it. I envy anyone going into this not knowing anything about it, because if any film fully rewards your investment in it, it's this. Delightful, hilarious and ingenious. A beautiful love letter to the passion needed to create low-budget movies. Totally agree on all of that. And the final patron comment comes from Nicholas, who says, I have seen it, but was a bit disappointed with it after all the hype I'd heard about it. I was also very confused when it appeared to finish after about 30 minutes. Moving over to Twitter, we're going to start with at Mark Patterson, who said, I love this film. It starts so dark that by the end, it's the most heartwarming film imaginable. At Daz and Loves Movie said, One of the most creative films I've seen in years. There is one moment when a bunch of actors react weirdly and awkwardly to what's going on, and it's only later that it makes sense. Fantastic. You will never know what's going on until the end. At Movie underscore Drone said, one of the worst films I've ever seen until about halfway when it all becomes completely genius. Think I had rated it 90 out of 100 by the end. We'll never be so grateful for the podcast rules of sticking with a film to the end. And that comment is from Mark. Thank you, Mark. At T Podcast TW Die says, This is true. First half, borderline lousy. Second half, ideas like this, genius. Gif. Moving over to Instagram, we have at Nikolai's Kitchen, the wonderful Nicholas Haskins, who says, Spectacular film. The first act works on its own as a cheesy B-movie zombie flick, but wow, is that third act so wonderful. The way it shows how they did everything is just incredible, like M. Oh, you're so smooth, Nicholas. So smooth. <laughs> and the final comment comes from at SP underscore film viewers, who said, a great movie that is best to go knowing as little as possible. Was taken aback at the start, but was all in by the end of it. No comments over on Facebook because it appears that when I posted the comments to Instagram and Facebook, I must have forgotten to tick the box to post it to Facebook because it's not on Facebook. So apologies for anyone on Facebook who wanted to be involved. Uh, maybe it was a human error. Maybe it was a technological error. I don't know, but there was an error and the post didn't end up on Facebook and I didn't realise. But 
Thank you so much, everyone, for your comments on One Cut of the Dead. I was a little bit concerned when I didn't actually get that many at first, but the guys on Twitter, they totally came through. Oh, what a wonderful, nice variety of comments as well. And I think this is a movie that will split opinion, especially if you only watch the start, because it will make absolutely no sense until you watch the rest of the movie. But you should absolutely stick with this movie. And as I said, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, then it's not my fault. You can't blame me for spoiling anything because I did tell you to see it. You should always listen to me. <laughs> anyway, thanks again to everyone on Patreon, on Twitter and Instagram for your comments for One Cut of the Dead. One Cut of the Dead is the epitome of a word of mouth movie. It was never released here in the UK. And so I remember reading about this film on film Twitter of all places. It was one of those, you just have to see this movie. And at the time, you could get a free trial of Shudder. And I did, just to see this. And honestly, that first act, I wasn't sure what to expect at all. If you are going into this, you need to go in as oblivious as possible, which is really hard with the internet. And also podcasts talking about it. Hold my hand up. But I gave the warning at the start for a reason, because I don't want to be the one who spoils the brilliance of this movie for you. Given its actual production polish, One Cut of the Dead wears its cheapness as a badge of honour, which is a difficult task. The makeup by Kazahidi Simahata and Yonkyo Hirabayashi significantly contribute to the gorilla feel of a film within a film. The film's greatest impact, though, comes from its capacity to make sure the same jokes still work in their second context. This is a delightful comedy about the pleasures and frustrations of genre filmmaking and the small details that revolve around Higurashi's on-the-fly directing, the ensuing mayhem, and the delighted executives who only see the finished product. Reality seeps into the art, and there's some really clever callbacks that alter our perception of what came before in that first act. This isn't just stunt filmmaking either. Movie making is full of magic tricks, like the ones seen in this movie. Make no mistake in thinking that One Cut of the Dead is daft and goofy on purpose. This movie is the result of some serious preparation, practicing, blocking, and just like any magic trick, sleight of hand. There are no real goofs in this movie because the whole movie is the goof. One Cut of the Dead's greatness is not by accident. This is the very definition of a sleeper hit something that grew on word of mouth and deserves every single morsel of praise placed in its direction. There's also a lot of heart in this movie as well. The final scene with the daughter on her dad's shoulders, holding the camera high for the final shot in a human pyramid, is exactly like in the photo you see of her as a young kid. And it really encapsulates for me that the next generation of movie lovers are going to come from our loves of movies and us passing that love down. Our kids and our nieces and nephews will be those writers, the directors, actors and crew struggling with every bone in their body to get their movie made. Their tenacity will give you more podcasts like this one. And really, One Cut of the Dead is why I do this podcast, to make it clear that there's always struggle, always adversity, always an indescribable amount of teamwork that goes into every single movie that you see even the weird low-budget ones. One Cut of the Dead perfectly encapsulates that pain and that suffering, but also that joy that comes from finishing your movie 
and putting it out into the world, regardless of what people think of it, hopefully it will be well received. But Verbal Diorama has always been here to celebrate movies. This is a movie that also celebrates movies in its own way. And if you have any reason to watch Woodcut of the Dead, it's to watch a pure, unadulterated celebration of independent filmmaking. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on One Cut of the Dead. If you do want to get involved, you want to help this podcast grow and you want your comment read out in episodes, then on a Saturday, I put up posts on social media asking for comments on future episodes. Simply write your comment and I will read it out and I will credit you as well. You can also help by leaving a rating or review wherever you found this podcast. And thank you so much to the people who have recently. You can retweet or like posts on social media. I should probably tell you where you can find me. I am at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd. But really the easiest thing you could do is you can tell your friends and family about this podcast. Now, I always like recommending other episodes and their movies if you like this one. This is a really hard one to recommend other episodes on because there's nothing like One Cut of the Dead and there's nothing like this movie in the Verbal Diorama back catalogue. But I am going to recommend episode five, The Cabin in the Woods, because there are zombies in it and it's also very fun and it's a little bit like a movie within a movie in many respects. I don't want to spoil Cabin in the Woods if you've not seen it, but it's a very fun movie with some really interesting points of view about what viewers expect from their horror movies and quite similar, I suppose, in its setup to One Cut of the Dead. And it's a lot more accessible and uh, easier to find maybe than One Cut of the Dead. It is an early episode, so the sound quality is probably not as good. In fact, it definitely is not as good, but I'm very proud of that episode. So hopefully you will listen to it. Episode 103, The Frighteners. Because it's nothing to do with One Cut of the Dead, but it's a really great movie and it's really underrated. And I feel like Peter Jackson deserves more praise for The Frighteners than he ever gets. It's a great Michael J. Fox performance as well. So check out The Frighteners, man. It's really good. And 135, Corpse Ride, because kind of a zombie movie. And it's also so sweet and lovely and beautifully animated by Laika. A Tim Burton movie. It's wonderful. Everything about Corpse Bride is amazing. And I loved going into the history of Corpse Bride and the original folk tale that inspired Corpse Bride, which is something that, as I said, a lot of J-horror movies are based on folk tales. Give me feedback on my episode recommendations. Let me know what you think. Next episode. So I'm continuing with foreign horror in October. And this time we're going from Japan and we're going to be moving into South Korea. And we're going to be catching the train. As I've done myself a lot in the last week, I've been to London, I've been to Birmingham. But the problem with catching a train is sometimes other people also catch trains. And sometimes a woman with a strange infection will catch a train. Not talking about myself when I say that, but I am talking about the next episode. It's very zombie-centric. It's also one of the best zombie movies in recent years. The next episode is going to be on Train to Busan, which I only saw myself very recently, but I fell in love with that movie. It's such a great, fun, energetic zombie movie and completely different to Walkers of the Dead. But I wanted to carry on the kind of zombie theme and I really wanted to do that one-two punch of Walkers of the Dead and Train to Busan because if you're going to do a double zombie feature, 
you do those. This podcast is free and it always will be free. But if you do want to support this podcast financially, that would be amazing. And you can do so if you go to verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. And thank you to the amazing patrons of this podcast. Simon E, Sade, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Vern, Kristin, Kat, Andy, Mike, Chris, Luke, Emily, Michael, Scott, Brendan, Ian, Lisa, Sam, Will, Jack, Dave, Chris, Stuart, Sonny, Drew, Nicholas, Zoe, Kez, Pete, Heather, Danny and Hayley. Just to let you know, if you become a patron, no blood pentagrams are necessary. If you want to check out my merch store, it's verbaldiorama.com slash merch. If you want to get in touch, you can email me verbaldiorama at gmail.com or you can go to my website, verbaldiorama.com and you can also find me at filmstories.co.uk. You can check out the magazine that I write for and the articles that are online. I recently went to the live show that Simon did in London and I met Paul Feig and he was amazing and I gushed all over him as as I'm prone to do, but the Film Stories live shows are excellent. And if you are able to go to one in Birmingham or London, you should absolutely go to them because they are well worth your time. And finally. Bye.